0: I put put my coke down too far away that's annoying (laughs) (laughs) oh no I'm certainly not getting up to get this I mean come on
1: get yourself one of those brooms like King Size Homer (laughs) (laughs) pull it towards you
0: It is the 492nd edition of the Chair Shop Podcast coming to you here uh, on this quite, quite cold, uh, wi- quasi-wintery evening here in the uh, Republic of Ireland. I'm one of your hosts, Barry Murphy, joined as always by my ever-dependable co-hosts. First of all, Paul Griffin. Hello. And also, Mr. Joe Towner. Hi, everyone. How we doing, lads? How has the week treated you all? Uh, not a whole lot of news on my end here. Uh, as the listeners will probably have noted over the past, oh, I don't know, let's say, let's say seven months. Lots of being indoors and not doing a whole lot. Um, and more of that on the horizon in this country, it seems. So, uh, not a whole lot of life cough on my end. But uh, what about you boys? What have you been up to?
2: Um... I went to a chipper. Now, you might recall from the past, I've had many a good chipper anecdote. Um, This week is not quite as exciting. I will point out, though, that chippers or chip shops or whatever you want to call them, takeaway houses, are not suitably set up for COVID-19 social distancing or any of that malarkey. Uh, The one that I went into... Uh, in particular macaries don't mind to name and shame them um basically they have they're set up like a diner they have the one little corridor for you to walk to the counter and then they have a little seating area if you want to sit and eat your your chippies and your burger and your drink um so the the seating area is cordoned off because of course. Not allowed to eat in uh, At restaurants or any other establishments For the time being uh, Which means that only the corridor is there Which is where people will queue And so when your name gets called You gotta walk past people or There's there's nowhere After you've ordered Okay, queue, queue to order But then after you've ordered There's nowhere to stand to wait right. for your order You're not standing next to somebody mm-hmm. That being said The food was very good And if I got the COVID it was worth it <laughs> You're happy to go.
0: You're happy to go that way.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how he wants to go.
2: Good quarter pounder, good chips, and I ate them while I was watching Dynamite. So it was a cracking meal.
1: Oh, that's wow. that
2: sounds like an
0: alright evening. Yeah.
1: So what, yeah, in these, in these times, I mean that's mm. that's one to yeah write about in your diary.
0: You gotta, gotta, you really gotta enjoy the simple pleasures.
1: Yeah, speaking of uh, simple pleasures, I was racking my brains um, you know, over the last week as to what I could possibly talk about in LifeGuff, because I've literally, <laughs> apart from going out for a walk, uh, there's literally nothing to talk about. Mm-hmm. The, only, the only exciting thing is, Saturday morning, um, we did decide on a whim to order a McDonald's breakfast. Um, unfortunately, uh, so did the rest of Britain. <laughs> it took um, two hours to come what? and the the McDonald's is probably a 25 minute walk away so I could have probably walked there and back
0: so it was McDonald's brunch
1: really yeah it, by the time it came it was a brunch and we were so hungry we had a banana while we were away oh no, no. <laughs> we just Haven't done anything to eat Um. yeah but it was annoying I don't blame, I'm not sure what the fault is I don't think it was McDonald's, they were busy but I think a driver cancelled when they were up and then another one had to go. The thing is, they they still sent us like the original order that had been ready for like 90 minutes. (laughs) So by the time it got to us, it wasn't exactly, um, you know, warm and tasty. Uh, And they also neglected to include Michelle's coffee, which was... Oh,
0: that's crucial. That's crucial.
1: So after two hours, we had, um, you know, egg bacon McMuffin, egg sausage McMuffin, no coffee. Um, they did give me a refund for the, for the coffee, specifically only for the coffee. But um, yeah, that was, uh, still enjoyed it. The good thing about McDonald's is because it's trash. <laughs> Even if it turns up cold and greasy, pop it in the microwave for a minute, it comes out the same as when it was cooked fresh, to be honest. <laughs> it doesn't exactly decline in quality all that much as, as the hours tick by. So that was, that was a pleasure. And uh, yeah, that's, that's been a bad bit. Other than having little trips out to the supermarket like a retired person uh, just to have something to do. that's uh, That's been life yeah. for the week.
2: I had a similar experience once. I'd probably talked about it on here. But um, I ordered chips. Uh, well, a, a meal. A hamburger. and Stuff I usually get. Uh, from uh, not Macari's, but another chip shop, right? And I waited for an hour 45 for it to arrive and it never came. And I was calling the shop and there's no answer on the phone. No answer. No answer. No answer. I probably tried five times and I said, well, f- fuck this. It's not coming. And I walked out to another chip shop, which I didn't want to go to. I didn't want to go to the other chip shop. I wanted specifically that one. Uh, so I, I walked out to this other one. And said you'll do, and I got chips from there. And when I got back, Natty told me, "Oh, they just arrived <laughs> with, with my food that I didn't want anymore." And Natty said, "Oh, well, he he doesn't want it anymore." And the driver's like, "Lady, I'm just a driver. I don't know what what's happening." <laughs> Which I sympathise with, but it, was, it took very long. Also, um, my mom runs a charity shop, right? Mm-hmm. And she'll sometimes get in stuff, um like, games, consoles, and stuff. And then when I'm down, I'll, like, test them out for her. And last this last week, she got in a, a Nintendo GameCube. Oh. An original Xbox and a boxed Nintendo Wii, right? What? Wow. Yeah. Now, as, a, as a, you know, a little bit of a collector man, I saw that boxed Wii. I was like, well, hang on a second. That maybe has something of value in there. So, I... Uh, Since I have, anyway, here um, a Wii and a GameCube and uh, I don't actually have an Xbox but um, I have enough... I have the games to test out if the console has no game in it and I have all the cables and stuff in case there's missing cables, right? So... um, Tried the GameCube first of all. Uh, There was a memory card in the GameCube, which is Mm -hmm. great because you need a memory card to play a game. And they're probably they're probably extortionate online. I would say, Uh, probably now there's no game in it, so I I popped in one of my favourite GameCube games, WrestleMania 18, the (laughs) shittest game that probably ever
1: released on my (laughs) console. (laughs) Jesus.
2: Um. And it worked. It worked, and I was very, very happy with that. The only thing was, it didn't come with the GameCube video cable, um,
1: mm. which
2: I, again, luckily have, so I was able to use mine to test it. But I, I'd say, look, it, it works. It's great, but there's no cable. Um, the Xbox came with a disc inside it, Mercenaries, which is a game that I've never heard of.
0: Oh, bro, uh, the the that's a great game. It's yeah, it's a third person like shooter, right? Oh, and it has, it has like, something that really should be ripped off by a modern game. It's an open world game, and you've got a, uh, a 50 targets to take down, and they're all assigned, I don't know why I remember this, this is not even a very, especially, you know, infamous game, but it's, like, every person in the open world is assigned a deck of the cards, so you're, like, I'm tracking down the Ace of Spades, and I'm going to his base. And, oh, great game! Okay, well, it came with that. And all
2: the cables and everything, and it worked, and that was great. And then the boxed Nintendo Wii, I was like, right, let's have a look at this. Yeah. First of all, right, came with a disc inside Super Mario Galaxy. Yeah. Wow, I was like, of all the discs you want to come, come inside the console, that is the the one. One. Yeah. Do you know what it didn't come with, though? Controller. Uh, no, it, it came with boxed controllers. Wow! What? How is that the... possible? <laughs> I don't know. Like they kept it came with all the instruction manuals and everything, and the little um, if, which I don't have anymore. The little holder that the Wii console would go in wow. if you put it. Wow! Uh, uh, crazy. Didn't have right drum roll for this one: uh, sensor bar or power box, uh, power cable or brick. So
0: um, wow, okay. They
1: kept all the boxes.
2: This is what this is what I'm thinking, right? You keep all that stuff. At what point does the Wii become separated from the sensor bar, the very thing you need to play the
0: console? And at what point does it get separated from the like power supply? That is that is completely bizarre. Yeah, because like, who who threw it out, and did they ask anyone, and what did they think it was? No,
2: I think I think what it, all the cases are here is. The, the kid who's who's gone to college or left the house and left all their shite behind, the parent's like, oh, we'll give this to charity, but like, doesn't think, well, this cable is connected to the console. This might be important or something. Uh, let's pop that bit in the bin and give the, the main console bit to the charity shop, even though it's a complete shite without it.
0: I suppose it does just kind of look like a late 90s, like, speaker. You know, like a shitty little surround sound it speaker. Does, like, yeah. if you don't know what it is. And I'm just, I just quickly, while you were chatting, I just eBayed it there. You can get them for three quid. So I suppose it's not, that's not the worst thing to be missing. Well, that's the, thing. The,
2: the video cables and the sensor bar are quite... And in fact, I had a spare sensor bar, which yeah. I got with, with the Wii U. So I, do, I don't need two sensor bars. So I just mm. I donated that. But... Um, power supplies are expensive that's the only thing yes um, yeah. it's like realistically how much money first of all are you going to get for a wii given that nine out of ten houses had one already um uh, so how much money are you going to get for it versus are you going to spend 25 30 quid on a cable for it you know it's it's almost not worth it to, to have
0: this it, it is weird to me that in this like like fair enough like you know 30 years ago when people were giving away their Super Nintendos, right? But, like, in this day and age where I feel like everyone is at least aware of the concept of I can flog this online, I'm surprised this person just dropped off three, like, 20-year-old consoles just I to don't it think it was the it same off. person who dropped them all off. Possibly it was. Oh, I oh just assumed okay.
2: it was I assumed First, it was. It might have been.
0: Well, for, for some reason, like, yeah, because when you said there about, you know, like, I, yeah, I thought it was presumably a parent cleaning out, a, uh, you know, a, a long-moved-out child's room or something, or the attic, or and, and it's like, oh, every time they got a new machine, the old one went up to the attic type thing. Um, luckily, that's, that's I already own, luckily, I already
2: own a copy of Mario Galaxy, otherwise that would have been coming out of the Wii and going into my collection. Um, <laughs> there was a separate hall, right, which included some GameCube... Wii, and Wii U games, right?
0: Wow!
2: So I said I will do you a favor and take those Wii U games off your hands because not a single person in the world is going to be buying those. No, no matter no. how cheap uh, you make them. So I picked up, and of course, I donated some of my games to Equal Up. Like I had um, uh, Shadow of the Colossus, uh, Nino Cooney on PS3, and I have those on PS4 since also. So I don't need the PS3 copies anymore. Um. I got um Super Mario Bros. new Super Mario Bros. U on the Wii U. Uh, okay. Tekken Tag Tournament Wii U edition. Wow, I did not I did not know that was a thing at all. <laughs> and Nintendo Land, which I never played. I also picked up a few GameCube games. I got um Pokemon Coliseum and Luigi's Mansion, which I have which I own already, but I don't know where they are. They might have been given away. Okay. Um I also got Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness, which is a sequel to Colosseum. And I got uh, Zelda Four Swords Adventure, which I've never owned. Um, and to follow up what I said earlier, WrestleMania 18 is now going to a new home. I yeah. decided <laughs> so I don't need that in my collection anymore. So it's gone. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Little bit of a charity shop guff there, but uh, otherwise, it's been a real quiet week. Nothing's happened.
0: That's uh, hook, hook up that Xbox, fire up the old mercenaries, and what you want to do is go. I don't know the code offhand, but Google the cheat that lets you play as Han Solo and Indiana Jones. <laughs> oh, cool. As it no, I don't, I don't actual, have like, it anymore, so I can't do it, but actual, actual, because it's it was published by LucasArts, I believe, so you can play as actual right. Harrison Ford. Uh, that game was great though because that was like um, it was set in North Korea bizarrely. It, I think this was before war games started inventing countries to to set themselves in. Uh, but it was really weirdly ahead of its time. You could blow up every building in the game like you could level it. Um, right. It was it was cool. It was really cool. It was, it was very of the air. It was like a B game, the type of thing that just does not come out anymore. Um, mm. But yeah, that's, that was quite the whole. It's quite interesting. Um, uh, Hole uh, you had there, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's been the that's been the old the old life guff this week. Yes. Um, so we'll uh, we'll jump in there to our um, various uh, other bits and pieces we've been uh, doing this week. Who's been watching some telly this week?
1: Uh, only only one thing uh, we started watching again was uh, Freak Freaks and Geeks mm. on uh, All Four. 24's uh, streaming service. So I haven't watched that in a while. Watched it. I think I only seen it once or twice all the way through. Um, Which I did enjoy a lot, and it is still, I think, the most accurate representation of high school that's <laughs> been done or one of the most accurate representations. Mm. Like the geeks are all really geeky. They are just like perfect, like geeks. They're not comedy kind of geeks. No, yeah. Not, uh, they are just very authentically geeky. And that's perfect. And, and like James Franco is one of the kind of freaks, the, yeah, the rockers, cool kids. This is really good as well. So yeah, we watched a few episodes of that. We'll, we'll finish. The, well, it's only one season, unfortunately, but we'll uh, continue to, to work our way through that. It's a fun fun little show.
2: Hmm. Um, I finished watching my uh, my football documentaries. Okay. Uh, I watched Leeds United take me home. Um, which I think I I watched the first couple of episodes when we last talked, and it was very up its own arse about how great Leeds United are. Um, (laughs) It kind of continued in that vein. Um, The only real interesting parts were uh, about Bielsa, the the manager himself. Um, Apart from that, I found it not particularly compelling. Um, So I would say that's probably one of the more skippable ones. Uh, I then watched the All or Nothing Manchester City season, uh, which I also found not to be particularly compelling. And that's you know not with a, a, a Man United bias or anything, because I did find the Tottenham one quite compelling. Uh, I just found that Pep Guardiola is is not that interesting a guy. He he speaks too quickly. That's the one thing is when he's giving instructions to his team. Right? I wish I could like have a YouTube video to hand to demonstrate but like he'll talk so incredibly quick uh quickly i don't know how any of the players can follow what he's saying he's like and then and then you go jump and then you jump and then to give to kevin the kevin you jump to the space and you look over to here to go <laughs> why is he saying i don't know what to, and he's like got the the whiteboard of the pitch with all the little like magnet Markers of where the players are. He's just, he's just moving them around. Clack 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 clack. And then you go into the space, and then you make the jump. You jump to the space. You see what the Kevin give to Kevin make the space. You're like what like um, what? Apart from that, it was eh, it was pretty. Eh, uh, I don't know. wasn't wasn't the most compelling. So I definitely started with the best ones with um, all or nothing, uh, Tottenham and Sunderland till I die. They're the two best ones. Um, the other two are are kind of. Pale imitations of, of what uh, what those two achieved. So I would give them a miss. Um, on the other hand, back on the Twin Peaks bandwagon, as promised, mm. uh, we have reached the point at which the the arc which takes up the first twenty episodes or so has now completed. Uh, mm. Very, very satisfyingly so and now uh we're moving into what is considered the bad bit of the the show um there's a if you google like twin peaks quality table <laughs> someone okay. has made just a a graph which shows like season 1 green green meaning good right all the episodes are green season 2 episodes like 1 to 9 green And then 10 to 16 is like red, 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 (laughs) meaning bad. And then there's like five yellows, which are like good, but not as good as it used to be. And then the finale is green again. So we have watched all of the green bits from the start of season two. Um, And it has a pretty definitive, like, almost like a mid-season finale where it's like, okay, the story you have been watching since the beginning uh, is now over okay and the show is now going to become a different thing um this is the point at which David Lynch and Mark Frost kind of moved away from the series um so what I described it to natty as she's of course watching with me but I was like imagine we were watching a TV series made by a real distinctive director like someone like a wes Anderson right wes Anderson has this style that he does and nobody else can really do and then the middle of the season, he leaves, and people come in and try and make a show like a, like where's Anderson would make. You say this isn't what he would actually do, and then he comes back for the finale. You're like, oh my god, yes, he's back. That's kind of like what I expect. You obviously I haven't watched it yet, but I've been told by multiple sources that yes, the bit I, the bit I'm hitting now is the bad bit. Mm. Uh, the best of the show has passed, but you know, stick with it. It gets good again at the end of the season. And then season three is is David Lynch again. It's, yeah, he's it's all mad.
0: he's all over. because I've heard, I have not seen uh, uh, any of Twin Leaks, but I've heard enough from people who love it that he he goes he goes mental levels of Lynch in, in the in the return series. Is my my so understanding of it.
2: Early looking forward to seeing that because that's the one thing I would take from what I've watched so far is it's it's an incredibly effective like murder mystery. Yeah, but what what makes it better than you know your typical murder mystery shows or movies is the the world it set, sets up and all these memorable weird characters. But like story wise and plot wise, it is it is kind of conventional. So I am interested yeah. to see like how weird can they go with this, and I am kind of excited for it. Um, I will say the 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 revelations that happen at this finale are are weird. But really, I found it really, really satisfying, and I was shocked. I, I, again, I am so, so happy that thirty years after it came out, that I was able to watch it more or less completely unspoiled. Um, totally, totally enjoyed the uh, the revelations in regards to to the murder of Laura Palmer. Um, some cracking episodes. seven, see, uh, episode seven, eight, and nine of that second season. Oh, tremendous stuff. Um, sad to hear it gets bad for a little while but uh, I will definitely stick with it and I'm really looking forward to season 3 and that's all the TV that I've watched
0: alrighty uh, I watched a bit uh, more TV uh, uh, me and Broner are still working through Malcolm in the Middle uh, which is on all four uh, we're about halfway through season 2 now um, I, I, in my memory, I thought it was kind of just the, the first season was, was the, the glory period, but the, the second season still really good as well. Um, I think we'll probably just watch it the whole way through. I'm, I'm curious to see how, uh, what holds up and what maybe doesn't. Um, but so far I'm loving it. I mean, it's, it's hilarious. It's genuinely still very, very funny. And I still think, uh, you know, even to this day, I still think it's probably one of my favorite uh, portrayals of of the family unit um, uh, probably ever especially it's it, certainly in a sitcom anyway or probably even really even beyond that it's just it's just very very um uh, sort of real and unapologetic and and uh, warts and all um, in, in a way that that the Simpsons kind of was but all, that was still ultimately kind of an over-the-top sitcom. Uh, whereas I think map in the middle is, is is both funny and I think it's also a bit more uh, grounded in reality I'm, I'm really really enjoying it I'm glad it's, it's available to stream um, it's been very kind of up and down in terms of availability um, it was on Netflix years ago I've heard there's there's often been talk that it's been hard to issue on on blu-ray because of the music licensing because tons of tons of uh, of the era the punk rock and uh, uh, thing you know uh, of the early 2000s in there but yeah really 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 enjoying it uh, the other thing we're watching at the moment is the haunting of fly manor which is the follow-up to the haunting of hill house um which is uh the mike flanagan anthology series i guess it is so it's a completely separate story basically just with the same crew um uh, and some of the same actors they haven't gone uh, they haven't gone full American Horror Story. American Horror Story uses basically the same cast every year with one or two additions or subtractions. Uh, this, it's actually just two or three returning people and a fresh cast, which I, which I prefer. Um, uh, and I'm about halfway through that as well, and it is really good. Uh, same kind of strengths as, um, as Hill House. Uh, just good, good creepy atmosphere, looks and sounds really good. And it has the same episodic structure, if anyone watched Hill House, where it's basically you have kind of an intro episode that establishes everything. And then the subsequent episodes are focused on particular characters, um, where they establish who each character is and what their their origin, for lack of a better phrase, and their motivations. Uh, and then, I assume, the second half of the season, it'll all converge um, uh, and stuff. It's, it's really great. My, my only kind of criticism is that um, uh, it has that same structure, which is fine, but it's a hustle, you know, as the names imply, this one is also about uh, a haunted fancy manor in the middle of nowhere. Um, and it's kind of like they got new actors in, the characters are completely different, it's not analysing a family dynamic the way Hill House was. So I don't want to say it feels like the same thing, but <laughs> If they do a third season, I think I they think they would do really well to not tie it to a spooky house because it does make it feel as as unique as it is. It does make it feel like you're kind of treading water, which is a shame because I, I am really really liking it. Um, tremendous performances. I mean, the the, the cast are fantastic. Um, not really, not really too many recognizable faces in in either of these shows. Um uh so so just tons of really great uh, performances from people I, I'm not familiar with. Um yeah, so thumbs up on that. Um I hope to have that finished probably by the next time we do this show. Um Yeah. And that's uh, that's the telly for this week, I think, is it?
2: Yeah. I I am gonna start watching Blind Manor at some point. Me and you will
0: mm.
2: maybe at the weekend sit down and watch some of that. Um yeah, I kinda you know, maybe they could do the haunting of Uh, the spooky moors or something
0: yeah like i think yeah and i it's it's, i think it's kind of a shame they stuck to that naming convention as the brand do you know what i mean um but yeah so uh what about the old games paul what are you playing this week
2: well joe do you want to go
1: first (laughs) which yeah well, why not? Because I
0: think we're going to
2: bookend the same subject, so you go ahead.
1: Well, uh, yeah. So I've been playing um, a little bit of Super Mario sixty four. Oh. everyone's everyone's most nostalgic uh, Super Mario game. Um, so I think. I I can't remember if I started it this time next week. I think I mentioned on the podcast last week I was going... No, I don't think you had. Yeah, so I I started it very early uh, week, and I got to 120 stars last night. Wow! What? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah. You must have been playing five hours a day or something. I
1: was playing a fair old amount, I'll be honest. Um, Yes, I did kind of race through it. Um, I would say I saw some, you know, some of the reviews of the the All-Stars kind of trilogy were were suggesting that it was kind of unplayable because of of the camera Mm -hmm. and the way it works. When I first started playing it, I wouldn't quite go as far as to say it was unplayable, but it was incredibly frustrating and and not enjoyable, I would say, because of the, the camera. Um, and I think coming straight off Odyssey as well, yeah, um, how, how smooth that is, it's, it was just so frustrating. And especially, you know, in a game that is defined by having to make incredibly precise jumps from one thing to another in a very specific manner at a specific time, not being able to see the thing that you're jumping onto is a bit of a problem um so so many of the levels wouldn't in theory be that difficult but you just oh god you know you, you just cannot see what you're doing so that was a big problem i think as it went along i kind of i got used to it and um you know it, it wasn't so much a problem as the end once you kind of learn to live with it so i started to enjoy the game a bit more as it, as it went on and you get into the very kind of creative uh levels like the um tiny huge world and the the wet level where the water goes up and down and the clockwork one we can stop the, the the clockwork and stuff and that you start to see the really kind of creative bits that make it such a great game so i, I enjoyed that um i don't think there were any levels in there that were really really frustrating like most of them are not straightforward but quite a few of them are quite easy um most of them are quite manageable it wasn't like you know odyssey where there some where i was just you know pulling my hair out i found them fairly straightforward um, I would say the um, the hundred coin collection levels; those were the equivalent of the Cooper races in Odyssey. Even. <laughs> it's just so so frustrating, especially as they take so long as well. You know, you're hunting yeah. through an entire level trying to find you know every single coin because there's only like 104 coins in a level or something. So you literally have to get every single one. You fuck up once, do it all over again. Um, so that, that was uh interesting but um yeah and then i f- finally beat beat bowser today uh so, sorry i'm off that last one's quite tricky actually. i think of all the bowser final kind of bowser levels that one um probably the most difficult i would say because i think getting that third bomb is really tricky because you have to throw him so fast to get the distance but then it's very hard to aim so that of, of all the Bowser confrontations, that would be the most difficult after after playing most of them. Um, but yeah, I think it's, you know, it still holds up pretty well. I would say of, of all the other games, you know, I've now played Super Mario Bros., Super Mario World, Odyssey and 64 in the space of two, three months. I would say 64 has been maybe third or fourth on that list, if I'm honest. Uh, in terms of enjoyment, in terms of the game. I think it's remembered so much for being the first, you know, 3D game and being quite iconic. But I think just, you know, once you play Odyssey or something like that, it just kind of pales in comparison, really. So that that's my thoughts on Mario 64. We'll see what Paul has to say <laughs> on that, whether he disagrees or agrees.
2: No, well, I am I, your 120-star brother because mm. I also 120-starred. Boom. The game just today, actually.
1: Oh, Barry, have you not done one hundred twenty stars on Mario this week?
0: Uh, not this week, no.
1: Oh well, you might wasting your life basically. Mm. Um, I did
2: have some some problems with specific stars, um, specifically towards the end. I mm. had been kind of dreading TikTok clock because I mm. I rem- remember that one being very difficult, but I kind of breezed through it. Mm. Um, I had trouble with the 100 coin star on Rainbow Ride only really? because, yeah, only because there's uh, the, the blue coins. Yeah. yeah. You have to wall kick your way up and then it drops you at like an awkward angle where you can't see yeah. on the Z axis how close you are to a coin and yeah. if you, whether you need to jump forward or back. And it gives you so little time that I was like, at the very start of the level, going to the blue coins. Skipping all, all the other bits. I was like, all right, right, I'll come back for them. Go straight to the blue coins. Wall kick my way up. Yeah. And I'd miss one. And i yeah. just, okay, jump off the level, die. Purposely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Start again. <laughs> because if you don't get it, you're not, not going to get it. So that took me a while. Um, I had trouble getting that fifth blue coin. Just, I don't know. I, I, I thought I had, like, the wall kicks. Like, I, I made the wall kicks pretty much every time. But I just found it gives you so little time to actually collect them.
0: All that stuff, I think, is more so than the camera. When you try and basically do anything other than a regular jump in that game, it's such a bastard trying to time <laughs> the wall jumps and the wall kicks, and you know, it's oh, sometimes you want to turn around and do a forward jump, but you move faster than the fucking console can comprehend. So he does the backflip thing. Do you know what I mean? I think that that's an underrated area where it's aged. I would say. I
2: I also had issues with um, uh, Wing Mario over the Rainbow, which is the last oh, yeah. secret secret star. Oh, because if you fall in that level,
1: it puts you outside. Oh, I know. Oh, it's whole way back yeah. up. Similar uh, to that if you exit a level um, by choice, it sends yeah. you back to the main hall. Why?
2: It's so you think they would be little things they would have fixed in <gasps> the updated release. Um, do you think?
0: Otherwise,
2: you? yeah. <laughs> otherwise, no. I, I, I really, really love uh, Super Mario sixty four. Um, I think it's it's harsh to criticise it or to compare it to something like um, Odyssey, which you know you wouldn't have Odyssey if it weren't for Mario sixty four. Boy, let me tell you, uh, Mario sixty four is the iconic, the original, the mm. the Ric oh, Flair. Hang on, hang on.
1: When I say that, I think. What I mean is if you go back and play like Super Mario Brothers or Super Mario World, yeah, they still yeah, hold yeah. up really well because they're 2D, right? They haven't aged. I agree, like, I agree. But 64, it's kind of like, well, you know, it was the first go. And
2: 64 it has definite issues because of, it, you know, it being the, the launch title for Nintendo 64. But um, I thoroughly, I still really enjoy playing it. Mm. Um, this was the first time I ever got 120 stars on the Nintendo 64. I'd never done that before. Um, I And this is what. Um, I was thinking about. As I fell off. Wing Mario over the rainbow. For the 10th time. and had to walk the whole way back up to that level. was um, When I got to 120 stars. The first time was on an emulator. Uh, using an Xbox 360 console. Mm-hmm. And I must have. I don't remember specifically. But I must have used save states. Uh, for that. Because there was no way I was walking up to that level 100 times i probably every red coin i got i probably made a save state and i was like all right i fall off and going back to that coin yeah and yeah. um, so this is the first time probably properly playing through it and you know with all the drawbacks that I, that that includes mm. um i now have the the 64 cartridge taken out of the console and nestled safely with his brothers right between let's see what's between uh, Pokemon Stadium and WCW NWO Revenge. Um, I then popped in Donkey Kong sixty four. Mm. I haven't played it. I'm not. I'm, I'm gonna beat Ghost of Tsushima and Paper Mario Color Splash before I play anything else. Okay. Although I, I definitely have that N sixty four H as I talked about last week. Um, I have a save. On Donkey Kong 64 from the last time I played. Uh 77% completion. Oh okay. 40 hours. Mm. Jesus. How did you not yeah. I did not realize that game was that long? I don't think it is. I think it's just, you know, that save is probably from 2000 when I was like twelve, and you would just play games for 40 hours because you only had one game to <laughs> play. Like. Mm. So you just wander around like. Now, you know, you're, you're playing Super Mario 64 going, right, I got six stars and I have the 100 coin star. Uh, so I need to jump in. I'll get Bob on Battlefield, thro- throw King Bob on, get that star. Then I'll do the uh, race with Cooper the Quick, um, you know, get the, 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 the one behind the chain chomp and I get the 100 coin star. Blah, blah blah. Back then it was like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm just going to walk around this level and see if there's something to do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. you don't ha- you didn't have that same understanding of the framework of each level. So, I probably just spent five hours in level I had already completed 100% because I didn't know I had, you know? Yeah. Um, as I said, I don't think I've ever com- like finished Donkey Kong far 4. I was surprised to see 77% because I don't think I ever got to the final boss of that game. Um, And I was expecting to have some like 40% completion because I, I didn't think I had played that much of it. But um, that is one that I, I would like 100% as well as banjo kazooie and banjo tooie um although i am a little bit like i know how collectathon heavy those are yeah with mario 64 it's like you have the the six core the six stars and then you know the 100 coin star is the one that's the closest to what you get in those games and as joe said they are the kind of the laborious mm-hmm. Um, most painful start. I think I said last week that on Womp's Fortress I collected 99 coins And then fell off the level <laughs> What I think it was Womp's Fortress I don't remember we're so long ago now But um, Yeah, I really really enjoyed it uh, Revisiting it for the first time in I think 7 years um, I definitely want to get onto to Sunshine, I don't know Joe Are you going to go straight into Sunshine next?
1: or? Well, I did As soon as I finished, I did load it up just because um, I haven't... I played Sunshine once when it, whenever it was out, 2003 or whatever it was, 2002. Two. Uh, yeah. I played it once and that was it. Uh, I never went back to it ever again. So I couldn't even really remember what it was like. So I popped it in just to have a look, but I'll probably have a little break before I go into it. Because also, yeah. it, it looks shite.
2: No, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm i definitely going into Sunshine when I, when I eventually play it, because I, I don't want to go straight into it now. Yeah. I want to I have other games that I I definitely want to play. Um, But I do want to give Sunshine another fair shake because Mm. I never finished it. Did you finish it or did you... Uh,
1: I finished it, I didn't 100%.
2: Not like 100%. No, no. no. Um, I never completed it even. I never beat the final boss. So I do want to give it another fair shake. I do want to 100% it, although I know that there are some uh, shines in it that are really unforgivable. So I don't know. Mm. I I definitely want to give it a, a try. Um, and then I do want to play Galaxy again, because Galaxy is... Ooh, let me tell you. That's a good game. <laughs> That's a real good game. Um, so yeah, uh, Mario 64. Good. Pretty good. It was also... Um, I the, the cartridge that I have to this day, uh, I bought in an Extra Vision, which was a... Uh, Video rental store that no, no longer exists as a store. I think they have like kiosks in supermarkets now.
0: Yes, yeah. Although I can't believe an entity still exists to get money out of them. Like, how did they not just go away um, when their when their stores went out of business?
2: I don't know. <laughs> Bizarre. Uh, I bought that in. Two, I never actually had it on Nintendo sixty four until I think I bought it in like two thousand and one, as. Extravision were stopping renting out N sixty four games. They were like selling all their stock. So I was like, "Give me that Mario for five pounds, please." And I have it to this day. Very
1: nice.
0: Hmm. Um, well, unlike you, I'm not doing the thing where I try and finish the games I'm playing before I start new stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm, i because I'm, I'm like I just I don't know I I just want to. There's been. I, I, I want to get loads of stuff either finished or, like, mostly done before, like, Cyberpunk comes out. Um, Not that I'm, like, massively excited for it, but I just know it's going to be fucking massive. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Whereas that's the thing where I'll kind of want to play it and just really put time into it uh, and focus on it. So I'm currently trying to uh, play a couple of other things uh, at once to get going. I haven't touched Ghost of Tsushima in a while. Um, I I, I want to get back to that um, soon. Still playing, still uh, playing uh, Paper Mario. Uh, enjoying it quite a lot. It is, it is quite charming. It really is nice, uh, and the combat's gotten a bit meatier. So I'm enjoying that uh, a lot. Uh, Hades. I haven't played that with Hades lately, but uh, but you know, it's still good. I, I started two new games this week, uh, both of which I'm actually very, very. Um, uh, really, really into, that I put a lot of time into, I played a a, a new VR game uh, in the Walking Dead uh, brand, that television show that was, like, good 10 years ago, Um, and is still going, and also a comic book, I guess. Um, So it's basically, uh, this is the most, uh, like, fully featured game I've actually played on the the Oculus Quest so far. Um, A lot of them are, a lot of, you know, a a lot of the zombie games are standing and shooting, you know, uh, uh, arcadey kind of uh, uh, shooting galleries, whereas this is a little bit more of a quasi-open world. Uh, Here's your base. Uh, You got to go out and, you know, do story objectives, but also gather resources. Uh, So there's a lot of... uh, Last of Us style rooting around in drawers for pieces of tape and uh, uh, odds and ends to make weapons out of. Uh, and it's, it's really quite engaging in, in, in virtual reality because it's, it's um, peeking your heads around corners to make sure there's nobody there, um, trying to manage inventory space. It's, it's really, really satisfying. Um, so I enjoy that a lot. Um, and it's, uh, the action is, is pretty solid. Um, you've got like health and stamina meters to maintain um which is not typically my kind of thing but there it's forgiving enough that it's not it's not massively overbearing you know it's it's um uh, it's manageable but uh, yeah really interested in that. i put about 90 minutes into that which is which is kind of a long enough session for vr you can't really do much more than that cuz your eyes start to hurt and stuff um but yes enjoying that quite a bit uh back in the non virtual world um, I started a game uh, that's out now on Steam and Switch as well, uh, called Paradise Killer. Which uh, I think I think this might be up your street, Paul. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. So it's an adventure game, uh, but it's a detective game. So you play the role of an investigator trying to solve a murder. Uh, and it's basically you've got this kind of it's it's an open world, but it's not very big. You know, this is not GTA. It's like a um, how would I describe it in terms of size? It's like maybe the size of like a Fallout town. Uh, okay. Do you know what I mean? Or you could you could walk from one end of it to the other in about like a half an hour. It's it's a small little world. And basically, so um, uh, at the beginning of the game, you're given the gist of the lore of the universe the 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 murder that has happened who some of the key players are and then you're thrown out into the open world and it kind of has a breath of the wild ish structure where you can immediately just at the very start of the game you can go back to the judge and do the trial uh so it is effectively you can um you have marked on your map you have here's all these named characters there's about less than a dozen there's about nine or ten characters and so the first thing you do is you go and talk to all of them and you say where were you on the night in question would you have any motives do you have any suspicions of who might do this you do that and then person a says well person b was acting kind of suspicious like I, i'm not saying anything and then you go back to that person and you say okay well i've heard you were you were behaving unusually and so on and so forth and that's kind of the game uh there's also some uh there's not a lot of platform, there's not a lot of mechanics other than talking to people, but there is some puzzle solving and some rooting around in people's bins for evidence as well. So basically, it's an open world. And in any order you like, you talk to people in any order you like, you go to the various crime scenes to gather evidence. Um, And with the information you've gathered from talking to person A or looking at this crime scene, you then go back to person B and say, "Okay." this was confirmed true, or I caught you out in a lie here, so what do you have to say for yourself now? And so basically you go on like that, that's kind of the the, the, the loop of the game, and at some point, I haven't done this yet, at any point you want, if you're like, okay, I know what's happened here, you go back to the agenda, there's a trial. I don't know what the trial is actually like, because I haven't done it yet. Um, but that's the, that's the game, and it's very, very interesting. As someone, like, I remember like really enjoying L.A. Noir. But that was ultimately a very linear action game that had some detective-y elements. It was really not up to you to figure out what happened realistically in that game. Um, right. Likewise, the the detective segments in Batman games also came to mind as I was playing. This, was like, this is a distraction from beating people up. Whereas in Paradise Killer, it's actually talk to these people, figure out who's saying what. Get information that contradicts someone, challenge them, and piece together yourself what happened. Uh, you've got a really, it's got a really great inventory screen as well, where you've got like case files on each individual person. So it's not just on you to remember because you've got quite a lot of characters and also the lore of the. It's quite a, it's a fantasy setting. It's quite quite elaborate, uh, but you have this really excellent inventory screen where it's like this person has made this many excuses. They have this alibi, and they have this thing that contradicts the alibi. So it's all there for you to see. So it's, so it's really useful in that sense. Um, I, I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, over the weekend I, I, on Saturday, I sat down, and I'm playing on Steam, so it has the timer, and I know just from that that I played six hours straight of this game on Saturday, which I have not done with a game in, I actually don't know how long, um, like, that I've been sitting down and just, like, addicted to a game. Um, it's really, really fantastic. Uh, the setting is really interesting too it's um set on this uh weird parallel plane of existence called paradise island where this like uh, illuminati style cult are trying to resurrect some old gods um uh, and they uh your character your player character was exiled uh uh, centuries ago, for for betraying the council, it's, very, it's all very kind of. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not on the gritty streets of New York. You know what I mean? It's it's um it's very kind of out there and over the top. And I'm I'm really really enjoying it. Um, I I hope I hope it's um it sticks the landing. Do you know what I mean? I'm very curious to see what the trial portion of the game looks like, um and see if it's really going to pull on. You know, you as the player, you found this out, or you did not find this out. I want to see how that uh, that plays out. So yeah, really, really enjoying it. It's like less than twenty quid on Steam and Switch. Um, so I would definitely say if anyone's curious about it and wants a you know a, a detective experience, to certainly give that a look. Um, hmm. yeah, I'm 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 enjoying those two quite a lot. So yeah, those are two two uh, recommendations uh, on the old video games this week. Oh, well, three Super Mario sixty four as well is also good.
2: I would be lying if I said that Paradise Killer doesn't sound really interesting to me. Mm. Um, I don't have an Oculus, though, so I'll be playing Walking Dead. Well, Although that, I have you know, had a little bit yeah. of a VR itch recently. I do miss my little uh, Astro Bot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they put out that Quest 2, which which is actually cheaper than the first one, surprisingly, despite being an upgrade. Um, yeah. There you go. That's the old video games anyway. Uh, what about movies? Who's been watching movies this week?
2: Just one for me. Um, finishing off my football documentary watching. I watched a Netflix documentary that came out this year and Nelka misunderstood. Mm. Um, which, uh, is a documentary about French footballer, Nicola Anelka. Uh, a ju- kind of a journeyman footballer who played for uh, many English clubs, including uh, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, Manchester City, West Brom, uh, Bolton Wonders. Bloody hell. <laughs> also played for Real Madrid, Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, yeah, kind of never stuck in one place for, for too long. Um, one thing that I found particularly interesting about this was... That Anelka seemed to be around for a lot of the bigger scandals that took place in um, kind of the early to late two thousands. Whether he was kind of indirectly or directly involved, he was always there. He was like obviously the um, the Thierry Henry handball, which was a big thing in in Ireland and France. Mm. Uh, he was there for the the big um, French mutiny during that. You know, World Cup uh, in 2010 when the players all fell out with the coach, uh, directly as a result of an argument between the coach and Anelka. Um, His troubles at Paris Saint Germain, Real Madrid. Um, Anelka himself comes off very um, kind of aloof. He's um, definitely a very stubborn man. Um, The kind of person who. You know, I mean, Ricky Gervais joked in the uh, on the XFM shows about like I'm Carol Pilton and this is where I am, take me or leave me. But like, Anelka very much kind of lives that life. He's he, interestingly given how how many times he fell out with the French um, national uh, team and and the French system overall. He doesn't even live in France anymore. He's kind of moved to Dubai, which is where he's located now, and he seems to have no interest in kind of France or French football. Um, anymore. The most interesting thing I kind of took from the the story is kind of the last third where it, it uh, kind of centralised around that World Cup and, and kind of what happened because that was a huge scandal in France. I actually lived in France at the time of that World Cup and that was kind of everywhere. Um, so to summarise, right? Um, France are playing Mexico in their second game. They've already uh, drawn their first game nil-all. They they can't score. Anelka is is playing center forward for them and he's kind of an isolated figure and so he's kind of coming deeper to receive the ball to try and influence the game more cuz he's he's not getting service from his teammates. Uh despite the uh the instructions of the manager which is for him to stay forward. So he's uh, he's kind of taken it into his own hands. He doesn't agree with the manager's uh tactics. He's already let the manager know as much. So at halftime, they go into the dressing room. Uh, Raymond Domenech, who is the the manager, he comes in and calls out Anelka by name and uh, tells him to uh, you know stop stop dropping so deep. It was alleged then that Anelka said to him, uh, "Go fuck yourself, you dirty son of a bitch." <laughs> um, which and actually he said "enculé," which which literally translates to like fuck oh, yourself up, up the, the ass up
1: specifically
2: the old, <laughs> up yeah. the old pipe yeah so onculate does have a kind of uh, and, and the documentary doesn't touch on that is it, it has kind of a homophobic touch to it i would say mm. uh, which documentary makes no allusion to it just says go fuck yourself it's the translation but it's not exactly go fuck yourself it's a little stronger than that um and so this causes a complete breakdown. He's kind of sent home. He, he it's kind of this what, what the Irish people would refer to as a Roy Keane, Mick McCarthy's kind of situation. That was the French version of that. Um, but the team actually rally around the Nelka. Um and so the following day they're supposed to have a training session uh, open to the public, uh, but they they refuse to train. And the manager himself has to come out and read this letter from the team. <laughs> That we don't agree. And he's obviously furious about the whole affair, right? Um but the interesting thing, right? It comes out afterwards that Anelka has taken the, the I forget which newspaper it was. I should have should have noted actually which newspaper it was. That had splashed the headline, you know, Anelka, go fuck yourself, you dirty son of a bitch. Um he takes him to court um for defamation of character, right? And the 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 newspaper's headline is ultimately upheld by the the court, right? Uh, It transpires eight years later, Dominic involved in another, um, another uh, documentary says that what was reported at the time is not what Anelka actually said. And what Anelka said was like, Oh, go to hell you and your shitty team and your shitty tactics. And much less inflammatory Mm. headline for the newspapers to print right and so what the kind of um result of all this is and and this is kind of where the documentary ends on this point is like because of this ruling there in france there's been this kind of precedent set now but in the law that newspapers can as long as they know that there's been like an argument between two people and they can prove that much that they can attribute essentially any quote to any person with no um, you know uh, blowback in in the law
1: mm-hmm.
2: which is like a crazy thing to consider like the, that that um, openness for for journalists to just make up whatever they want you know and uh, the point that they made essentially then was like if it was any other footballer taking this case, you know, um, to court, that it would have been overturned, or or it w- they would have found the footballer's favor, not in the favor of the newspaper. But because it was a Nelka, it was only a Nelka that this uh, situation happened, and took place, and it has a lot of good talking heads on it, as um, Honore himself, uh, and and it goes back into their kind of history, um, uh, Patrice Evra. Um, it has uh, Robert Pires, Emmanuel Petit, um, and a lot, a lot of uh, the the most famous f- French footballers that we'd maybe recognise. It also touches on some of the other um, m- most notable or notorious moments from Anelka's career. That that time he did the canal um, gesture uh, when he was at West Brom, which had was alleged to have uh, anti Semitic. Mm. Uh, Twinges to it that was associated with like a uh, an alt right or a, a controversial, let's say, maybe not so much alt right, but like a controversial French comedian. Um, the 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 Champions League final for Chelsea against Manchester United, where he missed the the ultimate penalty, and yeah, I found, I found it really really interesting. Um, and Nelke himself, like I say, is not necessarily the most sympathetic character, but he definitely had a really interesting story. And like I say, everywhere he went whether it was directly or indirectly because of him, there was some scandal or some notable incident that took place. So uh, as a documentary, I did find it very, very interesting. Um, it is in French, so it's it's a subtitle job, uh, unfortunately. Um, but uh, I thought it was very good. I thought it was very, very good.
1: Hmm. Was like a, uh, interesting watch. An interesting footballer. Yeah.
0: Is there any footballers not being followed by documentary crews at the moment? <laughs> no and in fact in spain it seems
2: even worse like um there was one footballer who did like a documentary to reveal whether he would leave his club or not uh and then ultimately the answer was no (laughs) so like what was the point of this documentary then Uh, i know in 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 spain there my like individual footballers have documentary series made about them like uh, there's a Sergio Ramos mm. series, the Antoine Griezmann series, which is mentioned. Um, no, I'm I'm done with football documentaries now. That was enough. I watched four series and a movie. That's what I said to achieve and I've done it now, so no more. Cool.
1: I watched um, Aaron Brockovich. Who did he play for? <laughs> 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 um Movie where um julia roberts plays a fast air mother of three who's saving a small community from a big corporation uh and amazingly she won an oscar who would have thought you know, <laughs> for, for that kind of role in that movie um yeah so that's quite fun i haven't seen that in a while um julia roberts was it's kind of prime roberts era um i think it was just before she started kind of getting into that kind of movie star mode where they just stop making good movies because they get too big <laughs> they just end up doing the odd really weird um, kind of casting choice um but yeah this was, this was pretty good it's uh, fun also has albert finney in it which i forgot playing her sort of grumpy uh, grumpy boss um seems so pretty cool too and also it has um aaron Eckhart. Is that his name aaron Eckhart. oh yeah he yeah he plays like the kind of gr- Rough biker with a heart of gold who looks after her kids, which is hilarious. Like the first time I saw it, I didn't. I don't think I really thought much of it. But seeing the kind of clean-cut Aaron Eckhart dressed up as this like biker dude from a Sturgis rally, it was <laughs> hilarious. Uh, watching it back, knowing kind of knowing who he is uh, this time, uh, that was really funny. Yeah, but it's quite a nice. Quite a nice little movie. Aaron Aaron Brockovich.
2: Yeah, I've never seen Aaron Brockovich. Me neither. Yeah.
1: That's no, good. It's good.
2: Apparently, Erin Brockovich herself has a role in the film, though.
1: Yeah, she played just a cameo. Yeah, I've heard
0: that. That's interesting. Uh, a
1: waitress. She plays a waitress called Julia. <laughs> mm. very, very good.
0: Oh, and then Julia plays Erin Brockovich. Yeah. Oh, it's like reception
1: uh, uh, or
0: something. Uh, I watched some more spooky films. Uh, another one. Another one that we've. Um, uh, talked about a lot on this show. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, a classic, always in the October rotation. Uh, yeah. Still great. Although, I, I'm going to have to upgrade to the Blu-ray version because I just cannot watch this this DVD uh, version that I have with the not very good aspect ratio. <laughs> um, I was having to fiddle with the aspect ratio on the telly uh, to to get it to fill the screen and that stretches it out and well, I mean what butchery is that? Um, what
2: is it? Is it a non
0: widescreen
2: DVD like a yeah, four x yeah, three?
0: Yeah. yeah, it's no, it's widescreen, but the, the total picture is four by three. It's letterboxed in four by three.
1: Okay,
0: I don't know. I don't know why they did that because they can't. Because by the time DVDs were a thing and this this wasn't even an early. This is like a two thousand four uh issue like this th- th- that was not the standard i don't know why it's like that i don't have like I, I even googled and i think i did this last year as well when i watched the same dvd i googled i was like what ratio was this film in? and they're like no it was released in widescreen it's just a bad version of the film on dvd um uh, so i will i will have to upgrade to a blu-ray soon i think um i did see so the one i have is some kind of anniversary thing but i did see they did a 40th anniversary blu-ray double disc fucking every feature under the sun version uh, that i might i might get cuz i was fiddling with the with the settings on the telly and Frona compared me to jerry smith when rick drops him off to the the daycare center for for jerry's um, and remember the, the big mascot Beth comes in and she's like, let's watch, uh, Blade Runner with the director's, uh, commentary. First one in can set the aspect ratio on the TV. Um, cause I was there getting very agitated at the, at the aspect ratio. Anyway, good movie. Um, it the, is. that we've talked about quite a lot um, as we're doing this show they just announced they're making a new one in 2021 I'm sure that'll be shit um, <laughs> God. Uh, like like all of them well like one or two of the sequels are remakes or not bad but who cares mm-hmm. um, another movie I ha- uh, that I rewatched, but I haven't watched in a very long time was Exorcist um, uh, the uh, William Friedkin classic um that i did watch on the blu-ray it was quite quite fantastic looking i have to say um uh, yeah i really like the exorcist it is obviously iconic and scary and uh jason miller incredible performance incredible incredible performance uh at the center of it um i but i don't love the exorcist to, to, to that true degree that upper echelon you know, um, uh, all time great horror um, thing. I think it, I think it holds up a lot better than something like Halloween, which I know we've talked about on this show. As uh, like the original Halloween, like eh, it's not, it, it does not hold up especially well as, as a film. No. Um, Exorcist is really. great. I always find the pacing of Exorcist really weird, because because like they've got some really mental scenes in there, but then they, they proceed with the oh, take her to the doctor then I guess. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I like I feel like my memory of the film is always there's an er, there's an early scene in the doctors and then the, the the bulk of the film itself is the exorcism, but it's actually not. The actual exorcism is like the final act, basically. Um uh right. and I don't know, I, I it's something about the pacing just always feels very off to me. Especially in in the first, that's a minor gripe, relatively speaking, to the to the legitimately, you know, very unsettling and and unpleasant um, uh, nature of the film. I also think it's it's what's interesting about it, and this is probably uh, what makes it really stand out in in, in, like the list of great horror movies. Is it is kind of like. an earnest kind of conversation about faith in a way like it's kind of like the priests in the movie are not just, well, we're making a goofy, you know, supernatural film. So we have to have like tokenistic priests who come in to fight the demon. It's more kind of like, um, uh, you know, the two priests are from two very different walks of life. And one of them's like a, a you know, a doctor of psychology. And one of them is a, a, a witch doctor, basically exorcist man, you know, um, and uh, on a rewatch, you see that they really, uh, up until the actual final act, where she's like levitating and shit, they kind of have uh, these seeds of doubt planted as to how real the actual possession is, which I always thought was interesting. Uh, it's great. It's, it's it's a very good movie. Like my criticisms aside, so um, those were the uh, the spooky films I watched this week. Um, yeah.
2: On the TV this week, I didn't actually watch the entire film, but it, it spawned an interesting conversation, was um, The Shining, the Stanley Kubrick. Yes. Uh, classic. Classic. Classic horror. Um, and I got the conversation going, uh, taking out of consideration personal preference and subjectivity, we we're trying to come up with films that are subjectively better than The Shining. Okay. Because I consider The Shining one of the
0: best made films.
2: Wait, wait. Subjectively history better? Of cinema. Objectively better.
0: Oh, objective. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry.
2: Taking subjectivity out of it. Oh, okay. 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 Uh,
1: how, how do you do that?
2: Well, Isn't it you selective? know. No, I mean, uh, you might say, you know, my favorite movie. Is is Twelve Angry Men, for example, but Mm -hmm. is it is it a better film than The Shining? You know, I can say probably The Shining is a better film. I prefer Twelve Angry Men because it has things that appeal specifically to me. But I can look at The Shining Mm -hmm. and say, God, the Shining is fucking flawless. (laughs) You know,
1: Uh, super. You're just not playing this game, are you? (laughs) Uh, Big with Tom Hanks. That's better. Okay.
0: Uh, so, so you're not talking like in the horror? Uh, no, you know, no, no, not right. not horror
2: necessarily. I mean, I I did mention that I I would think it would be close. I guess because it's it's kind of a similar film, uh, but I also think in terms of its quality, it might be close as John Carpenter's The Thing, uh, which I consider another horror classic.
0: Um, I I was trying to think. I I got just this uh, last week. I got a copy of The Thing and the prequel on blu-ray. I don't think I've actually seen it in full. Really. Um, which is weird wow. because I uh, like John Carpenter great, body horror great. I know I know the gist of it, Kurt. I know. I think I I would probably, uh, you know, I feel like I maybe saw it when I was much too young to see it because I have I have vague memories of it, but I don't think I've seen it start to finish. Um
2: well, I can't but, say much I only saw it for the first time like 3 years ago.
0: Yeah. Um i don't know yeah like the obvious answers like godfather yeah
2: yeah, yeah. Um, as far as citizen kane.
0: do you know by the way citizen
2: kane right renowned by many as one of the objectively best made films of all time yeah. if you were to guess right without looking where in the imdb top 250 do you reckon citizen kane is
1: um, behind most of Chris Nolan's films,
0: <laughs> um, behind Superbad. Um, <laughs> if you were uh, to guess a
2: number, it, it is in the top 250, I'll grant you. That. Well,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would say uh, 120.
1: I reckon 160. 160.
2: I'm just looking at it up now. I know that it is uh, far, it's 120. Oh, exactly, it's I was lower,
0: right.
2: Yeah, it's number one, 120, which is far lower than I thought it would be. Um, it's uh, it's actually only the third highest Kubrick film, I think. Or sorry, it's it's below two other... I'm like we're, we're hmm. not talking about Shining anymore. Uh, it's below uh, Kubrick films. It's below Return of the Jedi, which I thoroughly disagree with. <laughs> um, it's below uh, the first Toy Story. Uh, American Beauty. I'm just listing now. Bad Avengers films. Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame and Infinity War.
0: Wait, where are they? Where are they? They're in like the top fifty. Oh, Endgame, wow. is, Endgame, oh, wow. is,
2: Endgame is, is fifty eight and Infinity War is fifty nine. Oh. And number sixty two the Dark Knight Rises. Kiss me whole. That is nonsense. Um anyway.
0: I think the Shining I think is a good movie. movie. Of, of like shitty Like, um, like, it's probably too reductive to say Stan culture, but like when new, when movies like that come out and there's a big fucking nerd war about it, part of the proxy war is you go to sites like that and you rate it 10 or rate it zero. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, uh, so, and so those ones probably have strong tens coming from uh, people with Joker abbies, you know? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah. Um. What last here can I give out about quick Joker speaking <laughs> of number 33 oh, I think Whiplash is too high and I love Whiplash oh, Whiplash, go, yeah. Whiplash is not the 34th best film in the history of movies come on um, I think The Departed is overrated as well come at me um, Right. apart from that the list is flawless right are we going to do our finale of what is the best Simpsons then Yay! is yes, it?
1: Okay.
2: We have we've only got three to do today. So it's not, I, maybe I should have done these last week. I didn't realise that we had so few left. We've only got two semi-finals in the final to determine our uh, our favorite Simpsons episode. Um let's get it out of the way, so uh we'll go with season sixes a star is burns versus season sixes. Homer the great Um, to, to ape on the um, shining conversation that we had a second ago. Stars burns is subjectively my favorite Simpsons episode, but I think Homer the great objectively is, uh, is right as good as stars burns. Um, If if I was to make a list of like the number of jokes or moments in the episode that I would like laugh at or, or, enjoy to the fullest of my possible enjoyment that I would give 10 enjoyment points to these are probably neck and neck
0: you know yeah well if you make it this far and these are from the same season as well you know so um, three of the semi-finalists are from season six wow yeah well,
1: I that. What I was, was like. just looking at the dates the so home of the great ed 8th of january 1995 a star is burnt march the 5th 1995 what a year! What, what a year! year. You know, you was. Um, wrestling was never better.
0: Yeah, no, <laughs> wonder,
1: no, no wonder no one was watching
0: wrestling; they were all watching The Simpsons, baby. Um, well, we know we know Paul is going to Stannis Burns here. Obviously, that's been your that's been your horse in the race. Um, uh, what are you thinking, Joe?
1: It's pretty evenly matched. I, I like I like both. I think my. I'm a little bit leaning towards Home of the Great because of, you know what what we said last week about a Star is Burns is a bit of a bit of a gimmicky kind of episode with the crossover and everything, and it all kind of revolves around the critic for a lot of it. Whereas Home of the yeah. Great is classic kind of story of you know Homer joining this cult and everything, and the oh. so I don't know. And also,
2: it doesn't go in the the direction. That a lazier show might go in, in terms of doing a, a Freemason-style cult, you know. Yeah. Um, in saying that, though, I think if I was to criticize Homer the Great, to play devil's advocate for a second here, <laughs> I think like the last five percent of Homer the Great is not that great. Um, uh... when he gets when he gets kicked out of the Stonecutters and he has his own little meeting with like chimps dressed up, like the
0: chimps dressed up was funny. Yeah.
2: Kinds of peters out a little bit,
0: yeah.
1: But I, for the other
0: 95%
2: of the time, it's there, you know. I agree.
1: <sighs> so, uh, I, I'll, I'll put down a marker and I'll go for Home of the Great. Oh, I knew I should never yeah. ask you to go first. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, as well, that episode is written by um, John Schwarzwalder. Who after yes, after right. Conan probably or maybe even ahead of Conan really the best yeah. uh, the
0: best Simpsons writer
2: and who wrote Stars Burns out of interest
0: Conan wouldn't he
1: Ken, Ken
2: Keeler oh excuse me who
0: well you know not, they're not all they're not all Welders with a with a with a big uh, you know um, resume.
2: Ken Keeler also wrote The Principal and the Pauper. Did, did I say that out loud? I said it out loud. Out loud. <laughs> um, yeah, he wrote uh, A Star's Burns, Two Bad Neighbors, which is the George Bush episode, Treehouse yeah. of Horror 7. Uh, he wrote The Mysterious Voyage of Homer, Brother from Another Series, which is the Cecil Niles film, Cecil, yeah, Simpsons spin-off showcase and Principal and the Pauper. He's written some of the
0: worst episodes of the golden air. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and the Stars Burns. I mean fair enough, he's no he's no Conan or or um Interestingly, right? he's stars, stars Burns. Burns. Stars Burns was his first episode. And it was all downhill from there. To be fair, those are those are only episodes that are maligned within the context of the greats. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, but the, I think
2: he also wrote for Futurama. He wrote far more episodes of Futurama than hmm. of the Simpsons.
0: That show has a better uh, hit rate. Yeah. Anyway, um, if we won't drag this out any further. We've debated both these shows. These two episodes in particular have been discussed uh, at length in this tournament. I, I, I will go with the stars burns. Um, uh, I think. I think the thing for me, and this is probably also why I don't. I am the low man on the monorail episode as well, is that I, a, a funny song just doesn't get me as much as as other stuff. So if the big hook of the episode is the song, like the Stonecutter song, it's good, the monorail song is good, but if that's what everyone hangs their hat on, it's just like I'll never, you know, I, don't, I won't belly laugh at a song, you know.
1: You have absolutely no soul. That's what we've learned. <laughs> I I I own
2: the first three Simpsons CDs with all the music on them, Ugh. Uh, and I listen to them to this day. Um, I love the Simpsons music up to a point.
1: The it got bad. The uh, the What's up next? No, just to shake it up.
2: Just to shake it up. I will go for Homer the Great.
1: No. I go for Starish Burns, of course. Oh, so here we go. A final. The fix I, is I, in. I, the most corrupt uh, election we've ever seen. <laughs> I, re- I refuse to accept the results. Of yeah,
0: yeah. I wrote in my votes a couple weeks ago. <laughs>
2: yeah. uh, other semifinals season 6's Homer Badman versus season four, Marge versus. The monorail. Monorail, monorail, monorail. So Joe votes for marriage versus the monorail. Um, well,
1: hang on, hang on, hey, hang on hang on. Let's, let's just go through the little process. Right?
0: I got caught last time, so I'm throwing. My, I'm I'm right at the gate. I'm going home or bad man. I'm bit, I'm putting my chip down first. Oh, hello. Yeah, and I, can I just say, if anyone's, you know, if you've listened to this whole tournament, I swear I'm not a contrarian. I just don't love those episodes. the the, the truly beloved episodes like the Monorail and Star Wars I just don't love them as much as the others. They are great episodes, but uh, I love Homer Badman.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Right. Um, I oh god.
2: i got to think for a second here. Homer <laughs> Badman. Let <Man>. me think! <laughs> Homer Badman. I think I mentioned last week, I think the start of Homer Badman I don't love with the candy convention. That, yeah. feels, that feels a little too bad Simpsons to me. Once uh, the the alleged uh, groping goes down, that's where I start to enjoy things. Unusually. I'm not usually into that. <laughs> um... And I think it has a very strong finish. It's almost exactly proportionally inverse to Homer the Great. <laughs> um, Maritress the Monorail is is great throughout and has a great song. And I am a sucker for songs. Um,
1: I just think although the, the,
0: my the f- Monorail episode is it's probably more consistently funny. But I don't think it peaks as high as her sweet can. I don't think... Any- I agree.
2: Yeah, I agree uh, with with the clock changing in the background. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a simple, No, I will oh. back that up also by saying I don't think the Monorail song is one of my favorite Simpsons songs, Ooh. and I am a sucker for Um I my favorite Simpson song is Doctor Zeus. Yes. And, yeah. uh, Let me off the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Um I just think My to Monorail as a song is, is not very musical. It's just. Boom, boom, Is there a chance the track could end? And then at the end it goes monorail, monorail. It's not it's not really a song, it's just a a, a,
1: hmm.
2: a bit. Like hmm. um That being said, I love the the wacky cameos in Marjorie the Monorail, the weird Leonard Nimoy cameos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love, I love the uh there's a scientist, is it Batman? Batman's a scientist. It's not Batman. Um, I call the big one Bitey. Um, and that that like I call the big one bitey is such a Conan O'Brien <laughs> yeah. joke. No one else would write that in the Simpsons. Um, so because of my undying love for the uh the ginger one, I will vote for Marjorie's the monorail to even it up and put it in Joe Towner's hands.
1: Oh, baby! Well, I don't know. After listening to what you just said, I think you might have turned me around onto uh. Um, <laughs> on <the band. laughs> Because I, I do agree, like the Mar, it's very very funny, Marge versus Monrael, but it, it is a bit kind of wacky and loose. I do agree with you there. A lot of it hinges on kind of real sort of silliness, and very kind of weird references. Yeah, but I think it was very funny. Whereas Homer, Homer the Homer Bad Man has the um, has a great plot, has a brilliant plot kind of fantastic kind of story, the resolution and everything, commentary on the media, and lots of really classic kind of funny bits. And I like all the candy convention as well. I'm going to go for Homer Badman. <clears throat>
0: wow. I would have to call that an upset. I would have to call that an upset. Wow. Okay, Homer
2: Badman. Yeah. Eliminate was the Monorail. I'm, I'm the only person to vote for Marjors the Monorail. What is this? Joe had a very... Um,
0: uh, Barney's movie had heart, but football in the groin has football. In the <laughs> I think that I think that discussion was very much similar to a like a wrestling Hall of Fame conversation where it's it's peaks versus longevity. I think I think that was that was the debate with those two episodes. It's what's what's more consistently funny versus what has the I I remember like oh, I remember what, what, I wasn't like as a kid, so I would have been about nine or ten when I first saw rock-bottom segment. I had tears in my eyes and was rolling around. I distinctly remember this. It was in my friend's house was where I watched the Simpsons. I, uh, that's got to that's be up there with my all-time favourite bits, uh, for sure. Um, but that leads us to the final, then.
2: Yeah, Homer Badman versus the Stars Burns, the all season six spectacular.
1: Hmm... <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: So it it kind of comes down to it is it is it is, um, it is a, a, a relatable plot driven by you know strong satire and, and parody of the media versus complete wackiness and uh, a, a, a crossover that nobody wanted uh, and essentially just license for the writers or Ken. Whatever the fuck his name was, Ken Curley,
0: to do <laughs> film jokes and film parodies. But I think that I think it, I think it was a critique of of the media. So I think it was a very much a critique of you know prestige cinema and Oscar bait movies. Uh, you know, um, yeah, uh, and but also you know, um, like Burns's movie, the the really wearing your uh, your propaganda on your sleeve and stuff like that. Yeah. Um.
2: Especially true now that um, rose tinted biopics are like par for the season when it comes to like Oscar season. There's always one or two. uh, Like we had the um, Judy Garland movie, uh, Rocket Man, um, Bohemian Rhapsody. uh, Then you had the Stephen Hawking one, uh, Imitation Game. Every year there's some. Um, Propaganda biopic, basically. (laughs) And Stars Burn's very ahead of its time in kind of playing with that. Um, The one thing I'll say again about Stars Burn's is it has like so many of your favorite Simpsons moments are all in this one episode. Uh, We've listed them already. We don't need to list them again. Um, They are there, trust me. Um, It doesn't have a song. It It actually does have a song. It has Mo the bartender. Um, oh, yeah. Money gets you one more round, drink it down. You then you're out on your ass. And then he falls off the bar. Um, that was called. What was that in his movie, actually? I think, that was in, I think that was in the quiz I did that one time. Uh, no, I forget.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: Okay, um, I remember Apu's movie was called Bright Lights Beef Jerky, but I don't remember what Mo's movie was called.
0: Anyway, uh, we got to make a call here. Yeah.
1: I'll go for Homer Badman.
0: Oh, I knew you were going to do that. Oh, I
2: should have
1: great.
2: And I'll go for Stars Burns. Barry. Oh, so, fucking
1: the thing about Homer Badman is it's not a rubbish, lazy crossover. <laughs> 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 now the knives come out. Lazy, wait a minute. Lazy, wait a minute. Parody. I voted for Marge vs. the Moderate. <laughs> <laughs> you fell into my whole fucking trap. <laughs> I secretly wanted Homer Badman to win all along. <laughs> it was me, Austin.
2: <laughs> That's why you suddenly me voted against Lisa's
0: substitute when you claim to love it, you liar. Uh, see, the funny thing is that, like, uh, I I voted Homer Badman over some big some big episodes along the way, but I but. I don't know if I think that's the best Simpsons episode ever. Like, it's all my all the all my dogs in this race have been put out back with all the old woodshed. Um,
2: uh, <laughs> I definitely have a feeling as well where we've come to these two episodes, and I'm like, these are the two episodes we ended up with.
0: But also, I remember when you uh, when you started this feature, you like you read that weird list, and it was like there were yeah. some really weird things omitted from it, and stuff like that, like. You know, this is a, This is a, there's an asterisk next to this. Certainly, um, I just because I think it would be weird to declare something about declaring the other one the best episode of all time. I, I I think I'm more comfortable saying a star is Burns is the is the greatest episode of all time of these two of these two. Hmm.
2: Okay, and with that, I win. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, there you go. Stars Burns is the winner. Um, Eliminating along the way, Homer Badman, Homer the Great, Bart of Darkness, uh, Boy Scouts in the Hood, and Cape Fear. What a run for Stars Burns. Stars Burns has single-handedly
0: beat like the five actual best. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Most of my favorites. (laughs) I kind of have to respect it. It's pro wrestling logic. You know, it beat them, so therefore it gets its overness, you know. (laughs)
2: yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um so that ends our uh, our whatever the segment is called bracket 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 <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah um oh if we ever do a wrestling one we can do we can call it bracket down uh, 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 another
0: reason not to do that then that's fine. Yeah.
2: if anyone has any, we probably won't do another one for, like, six months. But if anyone has uh, ideas for things to do... Like, we did um, the wrestling one. the Simpsons one.
1: Any ideas for never... stuff to do? Email in, sir.
2: We get one email that says, just not the podcast, <laughs>
0: <laughs> You had 10 years, lads. Let's call it a day.
2: Jesus. Um... I mean, in terms of specifically bracket stuff. Um, <laughs> we did the Christopher Nolan one that Joe did when Barry was uh, away. Oh, that yeah, really yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Um, so, anyway, A Burns, the deserved winner. And now I'll delete that Excel file and never look at it
0: again. Yeah, we've, we've committed it to the airwaves. That's all that matters.
2: Yeah, it's, oh. it's out there now.
0: Congratulations, Conan. On closer inspection, this is Cape Fear.
2: <laughs> 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 right. Um, wrestling. Then let me talk quickly about the G one. Go on. Uh, this G one was not that good. Okay. Um, I watched every single show. Uh, all eight. All eighteen of the uh, the actual. Uh, what do you call them? A block and B block days, and then the f- the, the finale, which is on Sunday. There, uh, there was like one really good day, which I, I mentioned last week was day thirteen, um, which mm. which was really great. Every other day was like, yeah, it was good. I don't think there was any individual matches that I would consider like must see or like five star or, or to use any of those like rote terms. But um, I found the the, the actual final. Five- File itself really slow until like the last ten minutes, um, and not in a, you know, uh, a a Kurt Angle Undertaker No Way Out two thousand six slow burner that you just like get more and more and more into and you're like oh my god this is what a match, no it was really slow for twenty five minutes and then they kind of went fast for ten minutes and then it was over, um so I I just I I think the fact that I'm not so much and me and Barry, you and I s- said this last week, I'm not so much into Sonata and Eve. No, yeah, no. And they had people in it this year like Yoshihashi and Yujiro Takahashi and so many of the, the people involved just I don't just don't care to watch. Like it definitely suffered not having a, a, a Moxley or or a Lance Archer in the sense that there wasn't a, a big guy. There wasn't a physically imposing guy in the tournament at all. Um, definitely liked seeing Minoru Suzuki this year. He wasn't in it last year. He was probably yeah. my favorite tournament. Um, Toriano's matches were quite fun, but even that kind of started to drag by the end. Um, so, yeah, I would say it was kind of an average. Apart from that one day that was a standout, it was kind of an average tournament with not a lot of highlights, but also not necessarily a lot of... Um, Bad matches, it was, it was consistently like okay or to good, and then the the finale itself I found a bit of a um a bit of a uh, Homer the Great in that the ending itself was a little bit weak. Um, so yeah, I, I, I there was one match notable uh for containing only kicks, which was Kotebushi against Tai Chi, mm. the only kick they. Only used kicks exclusively for 15 minutes. Um, which at least, you know, stood out and made for a, a unique story. And I, the storytelling of that match was actually quite good. But um, in terms of, like, exciting New Japan hard-hitting fast style that you kind of come to expect. Or, you know, have come to expect with the Omegas. Okada's Tanahashi's is getting on a little bit, but you know that style wasn't necessarily prevalent. In this gym. It, was, it was it was okay. I'm I'm very happy it's over because it, it kind of took up most of my free time. Yeah. Um. Uh. And I, I I now will not watch New Japan again until Wrestle Kingdom. Uh. Because I, you know, appreciate having time to watch other things <laughs> other things. Uh. My life for a while was. Work, have dinner, watch the G1,
0: go to bed. <laughs> there was because those shows are long, and, and when um, when it's not at the high standard, you kind of expect, that's that's a big ask,
2: yeah. B block in particular, which is the one that featured Evil Sonata Naito, um, that in particular was a bit of a slog. Um, every day, I was like, oh, I have to watch those fucking B block matches, and Naito, right, who I really don't think is that good. He set the new record for, like, most accumulated time in the G1. So his matches were all, oh, like, 25. Oh,
0: that's not good. Yeah, because
2: he's the champ. He's the double champ. But, uh, yeah,
0: I just don't think he's that good.
2: I just don't think he's that good.
0: Uh, so, yeah. Naito, Naito is, like, a student of the Nakamura school, where he he turns it on, like, twice a year for the big shows, and that's it. Yeah. Um...
2: I think Tai Chi had a good G one. Tai Chi is something that I don't particularly. I didn't think was that good, but he did have a good tournament. Uh, Zach Saber Junior had a good tournament. Osprey had a weirdly not bad tournament, but his bulking up has definitely affected his uh, the the bombastic nature of his matches. They're they're a little bit less exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Even Shingo, like the, last year, Shingo and Goto was like my my absolute favorite match and there was nothing like that this year that i really got into or connected with on on any real level so there you go uh
0: what did y'all on that note as we segue away uh what did y'all make a dynamite this week
2: mm-hmm. uh, thanks decent. I can't really even remember Dynamite. Let me have the, a look. Because I've watched
1: so year. much goddamn wrestling this week.
0: Okay. Uh, we had... The main event was Archer and
1: Moxley. Yeah. First anniversary show. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. again, I think um, similar to Jericho Anniversary, they hyped it up really well, but I don't think it delivered anything kind of really special. Obviously. No big angles or anything.
2: I, I really but. hated the... Uh, the tag team title match, especially Ooh. the the finish. Let's call it where Kip Sabian is is out in the middle of the crowd. Oh the, like, yeah, um, arcade machine, and they they conveniently make their way over there, and one of the best friends like goes through it, and then oh, it, I, I, I I
0: hated it. I hated I, it. I thought that match was fine before that. Um, yeah. I, I actually thought it, not. I'm still, I still feel very cold on FTR, and the idea that we're on the cusp of seeing the Young Bucks match. I mean, I generally think AEW is well booked. But I feel like they have unmade that match a, a hot prospect in a, a pretty impressive amount of time. Um, uh, if if they do in fact do that match, at if which it seems like they're going to, um, they're, so, they're both heels though that's the thing i i i don't get it i really don't get it it's like i i understand they they want to do the young bucks heel thing but would it not have made more sense to hold off and do this match first and then do that i mean it's not like you're running out of days to do tv um yeah so, so yeah i'm, I'm certainly Everybody not feels like go ahead well i was gonna say i'm, I'm certainly not flying the FTR flag Maybe i'm still very much cold on them but i thought as a match before the finish i did think that this was you know solid.
2: Yeah, I think this is a a kind of a victim of the the COVID situation as well, though, where they don't want to do the match without the fans, but they're realizing that they also can't hold on or hold off on it forever. Uh, And at the same time, as they've been holding off, FTR have kind of cooled down a little bit. The books themselves have kind of been involved in some weird, questionable stuff themselves. So, yeah, the heat is kind of off at the moment. At, at the moment that they're going to potentially do it so um yeah it is what it is um what else speaking of miro <laughs> remember him remember he debuted and that was the thing Oh, kip savian is just fucking death yeah um, the worst guy on the roster um
0: on the subject yeah. of the of the tag division, I, 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 yeah, yeah. I didn't like the pulling names out of a tumbler to go into a four-way um for number one contendership. No, that like, seems completely you, at odds with a company that has like rankings. Yeah, and it's like just just a few weeks ago you had that really great gauntlet where your rank decided your seed, and that was great because that was really integrating the rankings. Whereas this I thought at the very least, because I don't mind if you have something like Cody where he's doing an open challenge, that that doesn't bother me if a rando who's not ranked comes out because at the end of the day, it's the champion. But, like, having it be I, – I wish it was FTR out there throwing that challenge out, but having, like, Tony go out there and the company just wants to do this, that felt stupid to me. Um, uh, and especially especially because, like, like who's in it who's not even ranked? Like, a Private Party, I guess? Um, uh, you know, could you just put a different team in there and just said it was based on the rankings? I don't know. Very bizarre, very bizarre decision that one. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So it it seems as though we'll see how that four way goes, but it seems like this would set up uh box versus FTR. Uh, but we'll see on that.
2: Um. One thing that I'm not hot on is Orange Cassidy.
0: Yeah, obviously
2: the, obviously the world still loves Orange Cassidy, but um, he, my enjoyment of Orange Cassidy is certainly starting to wane as he's always on, um, and as we see him actually wrestle instead of doing his shtick. So he uh, went the distance with Cody, had the visual pin on him as well, mm-hmm. uh, and now they're doing a rematch as if it wasn't enough to see them go. 20 30 minutes or whatever it was now they're gonna do it again
1: yeah I did go on a bit
0: I I liked it as a match but it, it does feel like they're they're really hammering home the orange Cassidy stuff and I'm like yeah I don't know um, also it, it, it felt weird that um they were they were showing Darby during this match um yeah. and fair enough I was surprised by the finish because I thought Cody would just win. But it, it, like, it's obvious that Cody and Darby they have this long term story. So it, it, to me, uh, maybe they'll make me eat my words, and Cassidy will win. But it kind of seems like it's obvious that Darby will face Cody next. Um, yeah. But who knows? Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe it'll be um, one of those storylines that goes years. You know, what I mean? Darby never beats Cody. Do you know what I mean? So maybe like Cassidy beats him, and then. Darby suddenly becomes more preoccupied with not getting the title, but beating Cody. Like you know, that, that's the type of thing I could see AEW doing, but but we don't know. Mm.
2: Uh,
1: Jericho and MJF had a little um, little segment. I quite enjoyed that. I thought it was, thought it was quite funny. Yeah, um, I liked it was a bit different from MJF as well. Not his usual kind of quite cliché sort of heel shtick, it was a bit different from that. Um so I quite enjoyed it. And I like the direction it's going in. I think there could be some good shit from this this uh, storyline. Especially when he called Jericho a genetic freak pointing out his abs. good <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> bit of Hunt here, is that just me? <laughs> uh I I wonder where that's going.
0: I feel like I'm more intrigued by that than any of the elite stuff.
2: Yeah, I I do like the idea of MJF kind of usurping Jericho's position Mm. in the inner circle and kicking him out, basically. Because Jericho has that Ric Flair 2004-05 thing where he's not that old, don't get me wrong, but... He's got, like, that legendary status where fans mm. just want to cheer him and sing his yeah. song. Um, I think he's kind of ripe for a babyface turn. Definitely, and yeah. I think MJ has to take over the inner circle. isn't intriguing to me. At the same time, I don't want to kind of pin my hopes on that. And then it's not happen, And I'd be like, oh, that was... A-
0: <laughs> I liked my idea better than what they did. Mm. So
2: I'm just going to kind of go along with it.
0: It does, it does oh, yeah. feel like that would make sense, though, I mean, because they're kind of harping on the idea that the inner circle don't want MJF, so I could see it being the swerve that, that, yeah, they they do a horseman beatdown and effectively swap MJF with Jericho.
2: Well, there was a little... Maybe I was just reading into it, but there was a little bit where... The, was it Ortiz tells MJF, look, we don't want Jericho, away. da da, da. And Jericho Jericho's like, shh, shh 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 As if Jericho's like, oh, I decide what we do, da da, da. And it seemed like there was a little dissension tease there. Mm. Um, so we, we will see. Um, speaking of, Matt Hardy was attacked by Sammy Guevara, the guy oh, who's feuding with him.
0: God. Was it? Oh, my God. When they played that video, I thought it was going to be a mystery person. And then when it was just Sammy, I let out this big sign. This cursed feud is going to keep going. Um, um, yeah, that was so disappointing. <laughs>
2: Uh what have Hikaru Shida beat big, big Swole mm. for the title? Any thoughts?
1: Solid, uh, it was alright. You know.
2: Um and then you had the main event, Moxley beat Lance Archer. And I really liked the post match angle.
1: Yeah, I was a little bored by the match, to be honest. Um I'm Moxley bit. Moxley uh he just needs something to, else to do. I kind of hope they'll get the belt off him soon. To be honest,
2: well, yeah, I was hoping that MJF would have won it at the last pay per view.
1: Just put it on did something you, did, else.
2: Well, Kingston seems to have a lot of steam behind them at the moment. I don't think Kingston is necessarily someone they'll, you know, put the belt on
1: though. No, nah, I think they'll. Um, he'll cost. It seems him. like he'll cost him. The yeah, belt, it think it seems like
2: Kingston Moxie, though is the direction for the pay per view.
1: Hmm. For full gear.
0: Um, yeah, it does, but that and that it, that also feels like I don't know who, but it it feels like someone, some plan got nixed. Someone got COVID. Someone didn't sign. Do you know what I mean? Um, like again, I don't think FDR versus Young Bucks should main event because I think it's cold, but I think it should probably main event over Eddie Kingston versus John Moxley in their second match in a month. <laughs> Um, and I think Eddie's been great. Like, like he is the definition of a wrestler who can talk himself into any role. He is fantastic, and I, I, I I've enjoyed this feud so far, and I'm looking forward to the next few weeks. But it is, it's kind of weird. It's kind of, it, it feels like something went wrong. So I know the, I know the original Kingston match. That was because Lance Archer got sick. Um, uh, so maybe, maybe that was it. Maybe that was supposed to be the Archer match, and then they were going to slow build up to the pay per view with Kingston um but they but thing has got flummoxed so i don't know but uh kingston's kingston's great anyway
2: yeah i mean if if nothing else it makes for really good tv it gives moxley something interesting to do instead of he's fighting the big guy of the month who's gonna be this month It's, it's different to what we've seen for the last three months um and potentially going to have some good promos and some good, uh, some good segments. So I'm all for it. And I I'd, I actually really like their match. Uh, so I'm hoping for more of that as well.
0: It is um, it is weird, though, that after their last pay-per-view was not that good, you kind of look at the lay of the land for this next one and you're like, eh. Yeah. You know, a, a rematch of a television match for TV... Presumably Cody versus Darby, which was has been great every time, but it's also happened like three times at this stage. And then yeah, FTR box. I I don't know. The only the only I suppose the only the, I suppose the real hook will be we haven't really talked about it yet. They showed the brackets for full gear, the full gear ti- uh, <laughs> contender yeah. tournament. They might as well have just just throw the tournament out and just announced that Hankman and Kenny are facing each other at the table. Yeah,
2: if we had put. Um, Homer Badman and- <laughs> in a bunch of season fifteen episodes.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I think I think that tournament would be fun. I think there's some alright... I mean, there is some conspicuous uh, inclusions, but I do think that, that that the TV matches should be fun, and then that that will be an interesting match for the pay per view at the very least. I think the
2: way they did their last tournament um, for the TNT title, the the original mm. TNT title tournament, I think that was better planned out in, in terms of being kind of a little bit predictable, but also the matches themselves throughout the tournament had kind of a story that built uh, yeah. like you had Dustin Rose involved with Archer and Cody and Alan uh, stuff like that. This one seems a bit more like it's Hangman on one side, it's pa- uh, <laughs> Paige, She is the Hangman uh, Omega on the other side and then uh, Geeks for, <laughs> for them to beat. So at least that will be a, a great match very
0: much
2: looking forward to that. Hmm. That was Dynamite.
0: Dynamite. Dynamite. Uh, a bit of news here before we wrap up. The Collective was last weekend, the GCW thing that was supposed to happen. Well, not just GCW, to be fair. A bunch of other companies as well. It supposed to happen at Mania Weekend. They had it in Indianapolis this past weekend. A bunch of shows happened. Some of them were supposedly good. Some of them were supposedly bad. But as expected, there was uh, uh, a number of COVID cases coming out of this weekend. Uh, some disclosed, and you could probably speculate more happened. Um, so yeah, and I know as a result, because a lot of the people who were at the collective were then going to work. Uh, there was an indie company in the U.S., St. Louis Anarchy. They were trying to do their. Uh, they were trying to do an equivalent of the G1, um, where they were doing round robin tournaments multiple dates spread out across multiple months. They've already had COVID-related delays. Uh, they just outright cancelled the whole thing because they were like, look, we were, we were going to use a number of people at the collective, and that just seems irresponsible now. Uh, so that's <laughs> – I was going to say a cautionary tale, but really the cautionary tale was the COVID outbreak happening in March – <laughs> so uh, these these people running it, it just like especially like GCW who've been running little individual shows all summer and getting away with it relatively scot free. No one got sick or so whatever. But this this had multiple companies, tons of wrestlers from all over the country traveling to one town, fans traveling to one town. It just seemed begging for trouble, um, begging for trouble, and they got they got trouble. <laughs> um, so uh, so yeah, that's your that's your COVID news your COVID wrestling news. Uh, And also uh, then tons of sad news this week um, in the wrestling world. It was a a, a very, very dour week uh, in wrestling. Uh, Among the sad news was the passing of Ryan Smile, the uh, uh, former champion in OTT, one of the mainstays of OTT. uh, They're on the first show, the kind of the most consistent sort of import along with Pete Dunne in the early years um he had been kind of in and out of the company, in, uh, in and out of wrestling in general, I suppose, in the last couple of years. He was uh, uh, had a number of, of, of mental health uh, uh, issues um, uh, that, that were uh, uh, kind of keeping him, getting him kind of in and out of wrestling. Uh, he made a comeback, I think. I think just before COVID, I believe he showed up in TNT in Liverpool, which would have been his first major appearance in like a year and a half or two years or something like that. Um, his, his losing the OTT title was kind of the beginning of his, his kind of fading out of, of wrestling. Uh, yeah, and he passed away there last week. Very, very sad. Um, obviously, Paul, you and I, uh, our, our time going to OTT – Certainly, my early time Godoshi—he was a huge part. Before every American and British wrestler, and European wrestler, and some Japanese, before everyone else was was coming over, he was kind of he was one of the guys uh, putting on great matches.
2: Yeah, I don't think he was on the first show I went to, but on the second show I attended, he beat Pete Dunne for the world title. So it was quite an introduction to him. Um, yeah, had some great matches. Over the years, and uh, God, you never, you don't see anybody go out that way. Um, very, very sad, and shocking. Very shocking when I when I heard the news. Um,
0: yeah. Uh, so yeah, very, very sad. Very sad. And uh, uh, OGT, I saw did a nice collection for his uh, his partner and their their child, um, two year old. Uh, so that, that was nice. and uh, Lots of outpouring Actually, the, Yeah.
2: As a coincidence right I was listening to an old uh, CSP in the week why did I pick this episode specifically I don't remember what I, I was There was an episode that I'd sought out for oh I know what it was it was the episode um, since this was the one year anniversary of Dynamite I wanted to go back and hear what our reaction mm. was to like Jericho showing up at oh,
0: the, yeah.
2: the press conference that one time and I was listening to the episode, and, and at the start, just out of the blue, for no real reason, I told a story when we were at OTT, and Ryan smile showed up in, like, the tightest <laughs> jeans and no socks and the shoes, and I and I looked Barry and went, wow, what a heel. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
2: so that's just a weird coincidence that, like, I think I listened to that episode the day after I heard that he passed away, and... The show like almost opens up with us talking about Ryan Smile.
0: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's the same. Ter- terribly young, 31. one. Um, very talented. Yeah. yeah, really, really horrible. Just really horrible. Um, yeah, and uh, he'll he'll certainly be a a, a big part of our, our memories of OTT, which are all we got now um, of of that place as, as as things continue. Not to end on the most depressing note possible on this show, but uh, you know. As uh, the the prospect of going to shows just goes further and further into the distance, he was a he, he was a great part of them. Uh, so yeah. Um, on that note, we will uh, call time on the show. There, thanks for listening, uh, everybody. We hope uh, hope you enjoyed this show. Uh, as as things remain uh, difficult and challenging in the real world, we hope you appreciated this two hours of shit um, to take your mind off things. The conclusion to our our, our hard fought uh, brackets, um, and our, our, our uh, various reviews. We'll be back next week with more reviews. We're going to have obviously more uh, uh, TV and movies and games and life golf. And life will continue I here in realize, the year. Uh,
1: by the
2: way, when we did that Shining discussion earlier, yeah, I should have introduced it as. Uh, explain and oh, hang on a second now never think about I wonder and take her brothers of discussion I haven't done that segment in like three years. There it you go. Was, it was, like,
0: technically we did it so you can put it in the description
2: <laughs> <laughs> just I'll just edit it in. Uh, I have no idea when in this two hour discussion we're doing it. so I I'm actually not arsed doing it but just imagine that I said a listener. imagine I did that horrible uh,
0: segment introduction. Uh, so, yeah, so we'll be back next week with uh, more of the same, really. You know, more of the usual fun and games that you've enjoyed this week um, and uh, more wrestling news. I think we, I actually don't know what they've advertised for AEW this week. Oh, beginning of the tournament. Beginning of the tournament, that's it. Um, so, yeah, we'll be back with all that fun and games. So, until then, folks, uh, do take care of yourselves and each other as uh, these this shitty, shitty year rolls on. Um, do look out for each other and we'll be back for you here next week so until then it's goodbye from me Barry Murphy it's goodbye from Joe Towner goodbye everyone and it's goodbye from Mr. Paul Griffin goodbye